Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Money Advantage. We're actually recording a different time than usual because we have special guest Lane Kawaoka with us today from Hawaii. And Lane, what time is it in your hometown? It's coffee time. It's 6.20. 6.20. A little earlier than I normally wake up, but thank you for when you live out here. <laughs> thank you for being early to rise for the Money Advantage podcast today. I sincerely appreciate that. I'm at a very nice 12.20 in the afternoon. So today, we're going to be talking about practical guidance on how to create passive cash flow from real estate. Now, we are talking to Lane Kawaoka. You'll see behind him, simplepassivecashflow.com. He's a podcast host. He also has done tremendous amount of work with real estate himself, and he is teaching other people to become financially free. So if you want to know more about how to find the best deals, evaluate deals, and invest in the right investments and build an asset portfolio quickly. And also if you want to find your tribe and really know who to talk to when it comes to building passive cash flow, that's what we're going to be discussing today. So that's why you want to tune in. Um, Lane, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Aloha. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Bruce, thank you so much for joining us on this important conversation today. Good morning. I, um, I, I'm looking forward. I like the last time we had Lane on the show, and um, I think he's going to have even more things to share with the audience today. So I'm really excited about this. Absolutely. And yes, so thank you, Bruce, for bringing that up. I forgot to mention Lane is a second time guest on our show. We had a great conversation earlier that was probably about a year, two years ago, somewhere in that ballpark. And he's been doing a lot of great stuff since then. So we will be posting his bio in the show notes later. But here's what's really important to know about Lane. He's been investing now for over a decade. He now controls 3,500 plus units. He is the owner of crowdfundaloha.com, simplepassivecashflow.com, and reialoha.com. So he is responsible for finding investment opportunities. And he used to be an engineer. And now he has built passive income and financial freedom. So Lane, as we jump into talking to you about passive cash flow today, tell us an overview of your story. Where did you come from and where are you now in terms of building passive cash flow? Yeah, so about 2007, I graduated college. Uh, you and I were talking about the old Facebook and MySpace days. <laughs> so um, you know, I think like a lot of us, we were told to go to school, study hard, I became an engineer, and then go work at that job for 40 years, investing in your 401k and all these mutual funds. Um, I, I kind of got Nice advice, up. right? Right, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, work. Work, work for your parents, right? I mean, it does if you want it, want it to take 40, 50 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, this other financial dogma about buying your own primary residence, um, which if you live in a primary um, market like Seattle, Hawaii, California, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Um, but 2009, I saved up my money and I bought a place to live in. <laughs> I didn't know this at the time. And um, because I was traveling all the time for work, I just realized I needed to rent it out because I was on, only there on Saturdays. Um, got an old landlord from college and 
um, just put it on the market and I collected 2,200 a month in rents and the, the PITI was 1,600 and to a young 20 year old something kid, that was a lot of beer money. Um, but at that point I got it. I, I realized that this was my ticket out of this rat race and this crappy job that I didn't really like. All I had to do is just keep saving all my money and buying more and more of these things. And that was the start of this all. And for our listeners, oh, I'm sorry, Rachel, no, I'm going to uh, tell our PITI for our listeners is principal interest, taxes, and insurance. So I'll decipher some of the uh, jargon here for our listeners. Um, and then Lane also used the word rat race, which, mm -hmm. is, a, which is a Robert Kiyosaki uh, term that he often uses to uh, help people realize that they're kind of on a, a wheel um, working for the man for 40 years. That's, as Robert or, or uh, Lane's already talked about. Yes, and I love that that idea of first it requires a mindset shift to move away from this idea that something's not working in the typical financial way of thinking. How can we do things differently? And then I think most people probably who even listen to this show are saying, you know, I I'm becoming aware of this idea that I really need to do things differently. And they're already on that path and that trajectory. But Lane, what I would like to really focus in on today is how do you condense time? How do you speed up that process from the awareness of, I want to create passive cash flow from assets. I want to have asset-based income. How do you go from that mindset shift to saying, okay, now I'm actually building a real estate portfolio and I'm making this forward traction. I mean, you went from one unit in 2009 to over 3,500 units today. I mean, we're doing the math. This is 11 years. How do you accelerate that process? And so that's kind of what we're going to focus in on today. What would you say, first of all, to somebody who says, I really want to create wealth, but how do I get started effectively and make that traction as quickly as possible? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to, he said it, the mindset is important. Um, I, I thought that was a bunch of ooty gooty, you know, being an engineer and more practical. But now that I kind of help clients do this, there's usually a couple ingredients versus like there has to be an element of pain, right? There has to be some realization that, yeah, this, this uh, stock market thing is is rigged against me, right? It's only Wall Street and they're taking all these hidden fees that nobody ever talks about. And so that's what I had, right? Like I had, I was only working for like a couple of years, but I had some horrible bosses, bad work conditions. And so the element of pain was there. Mm. Um, a lot of people, you know, doctors, well, probably half of the doctors, <laughs> other half are in my group, but you know, a lot of doctors, they just make up so much money that they're fine. They're, they're happy in life, right? They just, you know, blue pill finance, they're, they're, they're okay. Um, so that's big. But then the next thing is, you know, do you have the, the right blueprint for yourself and for your DNA? And when I mean DNA, the three big inputs are how much time do you have? How much money do you have? And what do you, what do you kind of know? Who's in your current network at that time? And based on those three ingredients, that determines what path you go. Because, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways you can invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. I don't do very many of them. I do kind of what's lined up for a passive investor who has a high paid W2 job and doesn't have too much time on their hands. You know, I love that you said that. A, there's not a one size fits all. But B, you're talking about 
we can become complacent by making a lot of money and real and thinking this is all there is this is all we need just to make a high income but i think we often people in general just we stop ourselves there and we don't realize that there's this whole other world outside of just making a good income in a job that we really need to not only figure out how to manage that money well how to invest it according to our dna according to our unique ability and what we know and control and how do we get the money working for us in assets that as Robert Kiyosaki talks about moves to that right side of the quadrant where you're an investor and a business owner, you have these assets working for you. So, and then, and then I had, that was a and B and now C you're talking about, you need these three things, your time, your money, and your network. That's really interesting because you're not starting from a uh, textbook of financial analysis and algorithms that you should use to apply to all your investing. You're saying how much time, how much money, and what is your network? So, why is it important to start with time, money, and your network as opposed to just understanding the financial analysis? Because life's too short, right, to waste your time. I mean, in college, I never really read the book. I didn't really go to class. I just, what were the homework questions and what's going to be on the test? And let's work our ways backwards, right? That was how I did it. Um, obviously, I wasn't a very good student and I wasn't a very good engineer for that. But, you know, that's just how a lot of BNC students are, right? Um, we kind of struggle through careers. We're not the, the people put on the pedestal for leadership positions. Um, I realized that I would probably top out at low six, six digits. And um, that's just how I do things. And maybe maybe somebody out, else out there, I call them the A students, wants to read every single page. But the way I see it, like, let's figure out where you are in, in time, time, money, knowledge, and network. And let's put you right there and have you just follow a blueprint to financial freedom and do the right things and stop wasting your time. I think that's really good. We always talk about with us, we, we talk about time, talent, and capital. It's, it's, it's very similar to what you're talking about. Uh, I think when people look at real estate, they look at it from only their perspective uh, because they've maybe were renters at one time in their lives. So they, they're thinking, Oh, I'm going to rent this place. I had problems and I had to call somebody to fix this. But that's, or they maybe know a neighbor who flips properties or something. But that's really just a small um, portion of what you can do in, in the real estate market. You don't have to be that person that finds the properties, that rehabs the properties, that finds the renters. You can actually get into several different programs to, to participate, whether it's in the lending aspect of it or the note buying aspect of it. So, Lane, can you walk us through some of those types of different things and then also talk about the things that you actually uh, concentrate on? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, think when everybody talks about real estate investing, they think of house flipping, right? Because all the prevalent um, shows on HGTV. Mm -hmm. I don't do any of that stuff. Like I don't have the time and I'd rather work with more sophisticated operators and vendors than Toolbox Tim who rehabs a bunch of um, guys and crew. Um, I also don't think it's a good return on my money and I don't think it's a horrible tax advantage way of doing things. I mean, I love house flippers because they pay all my taxes for me. Mm. Every dollar they make, they pay half to the government. Mm. Um, so I don't do any of that. I, I strictly just buy good single family homes that rent for, you know, we call them B and C class areas, workforce housing for regular people to live in, in good areas. 
that cash flow from day one. And I don't play any games with, you know, buying them distress, rehabbing them. I buy them mostly turnkey. And then I just put them into my portfolio using 20% down payment, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So that might exclude a big bunch of people right there. Um, you need money to invest, right? And I'm pretty upfront with my guys. Like simple passive cash flow requires you, this is investing, right? You need to have money to invest. If you don't have money, you got a money problem. And I'm sorry, there's Susie Orman, there's all these guys out there that want to help fix up your personal finances. But I'm for guys who are pretty financially smart already. They can manage their own personal budgets. Um, you know, let's, let's kind of take you to light speed once you're kind of off and rolling. So Lane, yeah. uh, talk, I'm going to decipher for the listeners again, uh, talk about the definition or an explanation of turnkey. Yeah. So there's a lot of definitions out there. Um, you know, what turnkey is, is typically you'll have an operator, which in this case, you know, you could categorize them as a house flipper or maybe just a real estate agent with a crew. So what they'll do is they'll buy a property distressed, fix up all the major components like the roof, the flooring, the appliances, the plumbing, the electrical, pretty much give you a nice house, a brand new house. And when they fix it up, they'll fix it up with tenant grade materials like so LBT flooring, for example. Um, it won't be the most beautiful house, but hey, it's, it's, it's a great rental. And I think that's what people don't realize, especially of us who live in California or Hawaii or Seattle. Most people in America live in solid value-based housing at 800 bucks to 1,000 bucks a month. And that market value of that house is anywhere from $80,000 up to $120,000. To me, when I started, that was a culture shock, right? Like in Seattle, you couldn't buy a house less than $300,000. I mean, here mm -hmm. in Hawaii, a starter house starts at 500, 600,000. Mm -hmm. But most people in America, this is how they live. And Which is, a, it is definitely a perspective shift. And also I live on the coast. I'm not in the bread, ba bread basket, the Midwest, where property values are just completely different as well. So you can think about, you probably are getting a, it might be a starter house in Seattle for 500,000, but you might get that same house in the, in the Midwest or select um, localities or municipalities. You might be getting the same house for a hundred thousand or 200,000 in a different market. Right. So, and, and, and I think we talked about this last time, but you know, generally like the, the rent to value ratio is yes. a quick indicator if the numbers work. Uh, so you basically take your monthly rents divided by the purchase price and what you're looking for some, is something greater than 1%. So, for example, that first property that I bought was, uh, it rented for $2,200 a month. Divide that by the market price, which is $350,000. It was well below 1%. But at the time, I didn't know any about this stuff. I didn't know that you could even buy properties at 1% or higher. Um, you know, I was talking to a client yesterday, and they had like a, a $700,000 house that rented for $3,000. I'm like, no bueno. It doesn't work. Why? Mm -hmm. It's not even a good rental. And part of the problem was it was in a primary market, you know, California, Seattle, Hawaii, New York, Boston. It's just not going to work in these markets. You're not going to find that those rent to value ratios because in my opinion, you just have too much unsophisticated dumb money around. It's people with too much money and they're trying to be investors pushing the price of 
properties up. So how do you find your properties that you invest in? And then I want to pivot and figure out how to talk to you about how to save time for somebody who maybe is just getting started. They're building their portfolio. They don't want it to take so long and they do have the money habits to have been saving their, their wealth creators already. They're thinking, I'm not going to spend everything I make. I have money set aside. I'm in a position of being able to be financially responsible. Now I just need to figure out the best way to use this cash to build cash flow for me. So, um, so how do you find, let's come back here for a second. So how do you find the right markets to invest in? Right. So as I was saying earlier, we're not looking for primary markets, not going to work there. So we're looking for secondary and tertiary markets. So some examples of secondary markets are, ooh, you know, maybe people don't know their geography too well because I didn't know an issue when I started. That's why I have this map back there to help me. But I, I can help you with that. <laughs> I'm, yeah. in the mid, I'm in the Midwest. So okay, I, okay. So maybe these, these places will sound familiar, but like Memphis, Birmingham, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Kansas City. Um, places like that, yep. uh, it, it's sort of determined by population amount, you know, and, but essentially these aren't the sexy cities. These aren't the cool places to live, right? Um, these days, you know, I was buying properties back in 2011, 2015 in secondary markets and the number of work, but now with the market, you know, everybody's, it's been a while since 2008, the Great Recession. So now you're having to go to more tertiary markets, such as a Huntsville, Alabama, a Jackson, Mississippi. I would call Jackson almost a secondary market, but it's, yeah, it, it, it started it's transition getting, that yeah, way. It's, it's yeah. starting to transition that way. Um, like a Pensacola might be a tertiary mm -hmm. market, but like a Lake Charles, Louisiana, right? Oh yeah, that's a good a one. Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh, but you want to stay away from. Like, I don't know, there's not really a term for it. We call them tertiary markets, but there's that, they're like a step below tertiary. But like, you know, like places like Waco, Texas, like your 30, 50,000 population, like you want to stay in a pretty good population size that has a trend uptrending in population and good job, um, you know, a robust job growth. So... Um, Uptrending population, good job growth. So it sounds like it's important to understand the market that you're investing in. But again, we don't want to spend all the time to do all this research because you, people like you, have gone forward and you have been able to um, figure this out. Somebody doesn't need to start from the ground and figure this all out on their own. So how do they then shortcut their time? What is What do you see as the biggest time waster of somebody who wants to create passive cash flow? Yeah. So somebody will go come into our funnel, listen to all the free podcasts that we have and kind of get real. They, they understand, okay, secondary market, robust economy, blah, blah, blah. And they go out and they hunt. And, you know, maybe it's because most of my guys are engineers because that's what I kind of attract or analytical types. Mm -hmm. But they, I don't know where the, what the heck they do. They get all this data. I don't know where they get it from. And they start ranking all these like cities with like employment rate, you know, medium income, this one, this category, that category, like it's like it's some kind of ESPN basketball power rankings or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're like wasting your time. Number one, you don't even know what's a good market. Like you got to calibrate yourself. And that's where your, you know, your network comes in. 
and more importantly, your network, just copy the answers from them. Like, you know, all the motivation guys call this like standing on the, on the shoulders of giants, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and, and I think this is where the transition happens, where your network is more important because if you have a good network, you just talk to somebody else and they, they'll help you. Which right. is hard when, you know, we all live on the internet and you're kind of out there and you don't know where to begin. And, mm -hmm. and you have to be careful in the beginning because, especially when you're talking to brokers, they're going to talk about their market, right? It's, it's biased information. And when you're talking, there's a lot of marketers out there that are yes. just kind of pulling you in different directions. The gold standard is to find real passive investors kind of doing the same thing and looking to lend a helping hand. And it, and, you know, that's what we kind of provide. We have that Rolodex of proven operators and in the markets that we like. Um, so, uh, Lane, would you have people that are in those markets that you then just refer people to? Or do you have brokers that you work with directly that will then find the properties, rehab the properties, and then you can actually uh, uh, connect those people where you're kind of uh, brokering the properties yourself or do you do a combination of both? We kind of do a combination based on the, the, the market. I mean, it's, it's, we, we kind of search for just good quality people that say what they're going to do. Um, there's a lot of fly by night turnkey providers, but you know, that, I mean, that's why I pay like 25 grand a, a year to get into some masterminds, which is absurd to some people, but, you know, again, I'm just trying to find a shortcut to build my network. So, which is why I kind of join these type of networks and get access to the best operators in the country. It seems it, it seems to me that um, one of the things that you you I believe in a turnkey situation that you really must evaluate is the property management portion of it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right, right. So, finding your broker and finding your turnkey provider might be one thing, but the way I coach my students exactly as you've mentioned is we're going to go find the property manager first because that's the person who's going to be unbiased because they're going to have, if you buy a, a junk property, they're going to have to manage the dang thing after the fact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're going to, they're, they're the ones who's probably going to give you the best advice out there and where we should nourish that relationship first. But when I work with clients, I don't want them to be totally clueless because a good property manager who has a lot of clients lining up around the block to work with them isn't in the business of educating them and could possibly, um, you know, when you go out on a bad date and you don't, you know, they're kind of weird, you kind of make like, you want them to dump you in a way. <laughs> that's, what a property, that's what a good property manager will do. So we want to educate the people first before they go into these interactions. And of course, a, a nice warm referral goes a long way, but you know they're not in the business of educating, right? I mean, there are people out there that you, I'm sure will take 50, 100 grand for you to educate and they'll, they'll do it for you, but property managers are there, are, are very rare, and you don't want to burn that relationship. I mean, Sounds some, like you're speaking from wisdom and experience right there. Yeah, sometimes if a, if a client is like kind of bad, like we'll, we'll have them go to a market where they don't want to buy just so they can screw it up there. <laughs> and then we'll bring them to the Birmingham or the Kansas city where they want to go buy. I love, I love the way you're thinking. And I guess I'm looking at the end goal and backing that up to where you are now. So let me ask you, what is that financial? I mean, I, 
I know this might be going off the, the range of where we had planned to focus this conversation, but what is the end goal for you? I mean, if, if you are looking for financial freedom where you have income from assets over your expenses, that's one thing, but then you're probably continuing to grow beyond that. Like what is your ultimate objective and what is the objective of the clients and the students that you work with and teach? What is the end goal? I mean, I guess for me, like I'm getting to a point, like I realized actually a while ago, a few years back that I don't really have to work for money anymore. And I just realized, well, for about six months there, I, I kind of got to a headspace where, all right, I'm just going to go travel the world and take stupid Instagram photos of my food and be one of those financial bloggers that just do that. But it kind of grew up in like six months and I realized that was pretty lame. And, you know, we're only given so much time on the earth to make an impact in our own unique way. And, and for me, it was kind of helping people get started, getting them over these, you know, they have that pain point, they, they don't, but they don't know what to do. They don't have the connections with the people. Um, and part of that just stems from my like dissatisfaction with the whole financial dogma out there. You know, we're all told to go to school so we can be drones, so we can work in a, a big company that just makes the company rich. And everybody has to work for 40, 50 years. And you you have this mindset where you're going to live in a smaller house with a smaller, like, fixed income, which I think is complete ridiculousness, right? There's no reason why that should happen. Um, but that's just what's, what the whole system is engineered to kind of take fractions of the wealth slowly away from all these you know hardworking americans so for those who are kind of looking for something different that was kind of my i, I don't know it's what i wanted to kind of change in the world i love that and i think i mean i think that we're all here for a unique purpose and we we need to be able to find that and yet at the same time you can't fulfill a mission that is bigger than you if you don't have the financial means to do that. And so I think a lot of times it's figuring out how do you become financially successful and then how do you use that financial freedom to create this time freedom so that you can have the greatest impact. And they go hand in hand because as you're providing value to people, you're profiting and, and having income come into your life as a result of that as the principle that dollars follow value. But then you're figuring out how do I make this greater impact? And I love how you're you're on a mission to be able to educate people with that. So I have another question. If somebody is in the process of saying, well, I've established these good money habits. I've been responsible. I've been a saver, but I don't just want to save forever. I want to put these dollars to work. And, and if they're working with us, they're also aware of privatized banking. Maybe they're storing their cash in a privatized banking system. They have this cash value. They want to be able to put it to work in properties. But at some point you get to this leverage point. You're not just making the money, saving the money, investing that money, you're then being able to snowball this in a way where you're using equity from the properties as well. Talk about that strategy as well and how you're thinking bigger picture than just here's the dollars that I'm earning and, and what I'm saving and how I'm able to invest just the, that dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the big part of it is like the mindset and that's why I kind of like working with your guys' folks because they've already started that down the road of alternative thinking with the infinite banking you guys set up. And because it is such a mindset shift from what the normal is and it's already kind of chipping away at like the, um, the whole wizard of Oz thing that is the financial you know, mm -hmm. plan of today. So like 
maybe I'll just use this as a, an example that people can get a hold of. But like, you know, each property that you buy, maybe it costs $100,000. But remember, we're using Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, government subsidized loans here. So we're going in with 20, 25 grand down on each of these properties to create an income stream of possibly $3,000 or, you know, a few hundred bucks a month. Not much, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where I was back in 2009. But then I bought my next property, you know, shortly after. And then by the time in 2015, I had 11 of these things, each kicking off a few hundred bucks, so a few thousand dollars a year. I wasn't quite where I should be to quit my day job, but, you know, it was just a matter of time, right? This thing is like a hockey stick. Because once I got up to, you know, 10, 11 properties, now I was able to um, buy two a year, right? So that's where things just exponentially get, get quicker. And then, you know, eventually that's when I moved on to the apartment syndications and private places for more scalability and more diversification. But, um, you know, if, if your net worth is under a quarter million dollars, to me, just buy single family homes, just chip away at it, get your cash flow up. Um, but for credit investors, guys on higher net worth, um, you know, it's the, the syndications and private placements is what kind of I discovered in 2014, 15 on how the wealthy invested. And then they'll do things like infinite banking, um, all the different tax and legal strategies that the wealthy do, which is just totally different than what normal people do. And, but it's, it's so simple, really, a bunch of best yeah, practices. We, all, we often say if you want uncommon results, you have to do things that are not common. And, unfor- right. and unfortunately, people keep doing things that are common and they get just the common results. Right. And and so- I think what, what frustrates me so much is like the uncommon thing is uncertain to people and they think it's more risky, mm-hmm. but it's not. Like I would rather put my money in like something like a life insurance that the contracts are, I mean, those things have been around since the beginning of like the Civil War compared to some of these other mutual fund type of products. I mean, mm-hmm. and when you're investing in real estate that cash flows, I mean, I don't care what happens in the latest pandemic with the economy. Like my tenants still pay my rent. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some of the properties that we had, the collections have actually been stronger. Oh, wow. Well, that's, a lot of people are actually uh, now starting to save more because they're panicking a little bit. So if you're saving more, you're not spending it on other things because you know your house has to become your number one thing because you need a roof over your head. And so it's, it's really not that big of a reach to understand that's how people's mentality is, is to take care of their, is to take care of their housing first. So it's, it, Lane, I, I, I've said this on another uh, podcast before. I remember driving up my street one day and turning the corner into my house. I still remember this vividly and thinking, why am I putting money in the stock market when I have no control over what they're doing or the person that's running that company and so on and so forth. It it, it was like this big epiphany that I said, why wouldn't I actually put money in the real estate properties where I actually can talk to the person that's actually selling it to me and talk to the property manager that's actually managing the property. And then I do all the other alternative investments too. So I have a sense of control because I can, I have access to those direct people. I don't have access to people like Coca-Cola, you know, where I can say, Hey, what are you guys doing? You know, in the near future, but I have access and control of these people. And so you actually have more control over this 
And a lot of people think real estate, you have actually less control. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I never liked if, you know, like Lululemon CEO says something stupid and then the stock bombs or, right. you know, this happens in the country. And then, you know, my, like, like look at the COVID thing. Like people lost like 30% mm-hmm. in very quickly over nothing. Um, I mean, the control is big. To me, what, like, what gets me, Bruce, is like just the numbers. Like when you're in the stock market, you're making, what did they say? You're supposed to make, what, 6 to 8% or whatever? Right. Knows. <laughs> They're taking like a huge taxable, chunk of taxable, right, taxable. Yeah. If but, it doesn't tank and you right, never have any losses. Yeah. Right. But when you're making, when you have real estate, you're making money with cash flow, right? That few hundred dollars every month on like one rental property, you have appreciation in the property. And I don't really count appreciation because to me, that's icing on top of the cake, mm-hmm. but it's there uh, when you sell and then you, you know, your tenants paying down your mortgage for you. So those of us with, with our own our properties, you know, we're paying the mortgage and in the beginning, you're not, it's not too much is going to payment the principal, but at the end it gets he- more heavier and heavier. But in this case, the tenants paying the whole thing for us and then the tax benefits, right? Mm-hmm. That we get, we can depreciate the property. When you add all those four items up, I mean, you're making 25, 35% every year. You would you rather want 25? I mean, do the math yourself. When, when your money grows at 25% plus every year, Numbers, numbers don't lie, right? You can see how you can retire from your day job in 10 years as opposed to 40, 50 when you have that higher rate of return. And that's what, that's, that's, you know, not doing anything fancy, right? You're not even running, you got property management doing all your hard work. You're not even getting your hands dirty, flipping houses or doing all this nonsense. It's just buy and hold real estate, making that much money. And then you're asked like, well, where did all my, why am I only getting eight to 10%? And this is like, I was like, yeah, because everybody's stealing it from you. There's all these hidden fees. You should be getting paid more. But when you invest in a retail product, that's what happens. How else do they have all these big, nice, fancy bank buildings? Oh, absolutely. And who's profiting? I think that's really the question to ask. Who's profiting the most in this transaction? And it should be you if you are the one in control. So um, we have six minutes till the top of the hour here. So what would you say are the next biggest time wasters for somebody building passive cash flow? So I, I can only speak to my own, um, my own self. Like I would spend hours a week, like just screwing over my net worth statement and tracking it, how it would go. That was, now I look back, it was a complete waste of time. I would spend my time more analyzing deals and just finding that next property and going out and doing it. Um, and there's just a whole bunch of other like bad financial advice. There's a lot of financial blogs that I would read in, my, in college in my early 20s. Like don't buy a latte at Starbucks to save yeah. money. Like, that's, we talk that's, about that. <laughs> that's ridiculous, you know? Like... Sometimes it's, you got to spend a little money to make a lot of money mm-hmm. and, and you have to definitely focus on the right things. I love that. And absolutely spending, saving $4 a day is not going to make you wealthy. Right. And 
scrimping and cutting back and saying, oh, hey, this is the one thing I need to do. It's really about thinking much bigger. And I think, I mean, I don't want to take up our time on this show today, but there's just so much that you can do to say, well, hey, if I just spend this much less and I spend $5 less here and $13 less here, then, then maybe someday I'll get wealthy. But it's really, your energy is all on the wrong thing if you are not thinking about how to expand. Right. So Lane, you have a lot of ways for people to connect into the work that you're doing. And I really want to make sure that we don't miss this because it's really critical for somebody who wants to build cash flow to find people like you who have done it in your own personal life, not just to guess their way, not waste the time as you've been talking about here today, but really to plug in so that they can maximize their time, their money and their network. So for somebody, let's just start off. What if somebody is just getting started with real estate investing and, and their mind has been open to this new way of thinking and they're saying, hey, I really want to get started. Where would they start with you? Yeah. So, it, you know, again, if they're under quarter million dollars net worth, I, I think the prescription is just buying a, a single family home rental. Um, for a lot of us who live in primary markets like California, Hawaii, et cetera, it's not going to work locally and you're going to have to go to more secondary and tertiary markets out in the country in the breadbasket, as we said. So, you know, that's, that's should be the focus looking into those type of areas. And what I would say is, you know, that's where I, what I was doing back in the day when I started my podcast in 2016. So I would say, you know, go listen to the first dozen podcasts. I was talking all about turnkey rentals back then. Um, awesome. So a lot of it's on my, on my website for free. I, I think I have a big info guide at simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey. It's just this big data dump of like a bunch of things I've learned over the years and some uh, videos of some trash walkthrough properties of mine, uh, which happens. But I actually saw that um, <laughs> through your course that I know you're going to mention in a second. I saw the video of the very first rental that you had. And uh, so, so yeah, yeah, a lot of great information on that. So what about if somebody wanted to dig a little deeper and maybe they, they're in a position where now they want to say, okay, what do I need to do? What order do I need to take things? What are the steps I need to follow? How do I shortcut this process and not take the next 40 years trying to figure out real estate and doing all the, the data analysis and tracking their net worth as you're talking about? It, they want to shortcut the process. What do you have available for them to do that? Yeah, so we have a uh, curated rubric of step-by-step um, -step of things to, you know, even if you haven't mentally gotten there yet, we've got a chapter and modules created on that in our e-course. But if you're already drinking the Kool-Aid, all right, just skip the chapter three and let's get going, right? <laughs> here's how to buy a property. Here's what markets to get. You know, here's, the, here's what to look for. Here's how to analyze the property. And how do they do that with you? Um, they can go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash e-course. Um, and, or, you know, just kind of reach out to yourself and you know, maybe we can get connected that way. Um, I'm more of a relationship person, you know, when I connect people with my, the people that I work with, it's always warm referral. I mean, it, it just, real estate's a relationship business. I love that you share that because it absolutely is. And, and as you talk about your network, I mean, it is absolutely true. And I think Bruce, you and I've been talking about this and seeing it come to fruition in so many ways all throughout our business life, but your net work determines your net worth. And it absolutely is the number one most important thing to focus on building the quality relationships even more than just focusing on the money because the money is a result of the relationships and your, your mental capital that you're developing and building. So, 
So Lane, you have free information. You have this podcast at simplepassivecashflow.com. You have this e-course that really kind of goes through this rubric and the how-to of investing. You have the mastermind. And then you also have the Hui deal pipeline as well, which is um, an analyzing deals. Can you mention that real briefly before we close? Yeah, so I also have an operations, real estate operations company where we purchase um, multifamily and mobile home park assets. Um, I go out and do the deal vetting and I bring it back to my investor group. Um, it's free to join. And um, what I would suggest is just, you know, join and just check out some deals that we have. Just get some deal flow. Get, get used to some of the vernacular on splits, reversion cap rates, um, you know, what's out there. And this is more in the private placement syndication realm. Um, it's open to, you know, kind of everybody. Um, sometimes we'll even have some turnkey rentals in there that I kind of came across my desk that I share. Um, but you know, it's just a, it's kind of access the deal flow is kind of what's there. You know, Lane, I just have to encapsulate everything that you've shared here at the beginning. We were talking about how important it is to jump to the end and figure out what do you need to do to, to win and not necessarily start from where you are today and build the next steps in the ladder from where you are to where you're going to go. But look at the end goal and reverse engineer that, work that backwards, figure out what is the number one most important thing to focus your time and attention on. Otherwise, I mean, life is so darn distracting. There are so many things you absolutely could do and you could waste a huge amount of hours and years and a huge amount of effort and completely burn out before you ever get to where you're trying to go. And so I just love how you're sharing, get the access, plug into the right relationships. That's the ticket to reverse engineer everything that you need to build that financial freedom. So um, I just really appreciate you being here today and sharing that wisdom at 6.20 in the morning. Now it should be about seven o'clock. Um, Bruce, what do you want to close us out with? Well, I think the, um, it's, it's so easy to say, and, and um, Lane said, you know, he used to be an engineer, but I think it's like a Marine. Once you're an engineer, you're always an engineer. <laughs> so, so even if somebody that obviously has figured this out has changed his mindset. Um, along the way and I think uh, it's all right it's it's all right if you don't want to get into this uh, real estate business I tell this to people all the time because they're 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 painting themselves you know they're like I know it's really good I've read a lot of but I just can't see myself doing it and I say that that's okay but if you're going to get into it you have to prepare yourself that and I think Lane has said this without really saying it there. It's not all rosy. You know, there, there's some pain points here. Um, but if you can overcome the fact that there's pain points in everything, when people talk about investing, whether it's in the stock market or whether it's in other private businesses or, or things like that, there's pain points in everything. It, it, but the, um, the benefits outweigh the pain as long as you stick to it and it's a, it's a, it's a slow and steady race. And, and, you know, uh, I started, I've had real estate for 25 years and, and it's, it's good when it's really good, it's really good. And, and there's occasionally when, you know, like you have a fire in your property, which I have had before. I don't know if you had a fire yet lane, but I've had a fire in the property and it's, it's not that great, but it, you still get the benefits and you're building that wealth along the way. So, so, sometimes it's good, right? Because when you have commercial uh, insurance, you get a brand new building. Well, that's interesting. I, I, we don't have time to go into it, but when I had the fire, it was actually a really good thing. 
<laughs> it was a really it was good also place. his personal oh. residence. No, 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 This was one of my rental properties. Oh, you had yeah. two fires. My yeah, goodness. Yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> but we don't, we don't talk about that, how we get new roofs replaced and stuff like that. We, we, we kind of just complain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know it's just so interesting there's always a a mindset a perspective that you can have about everything and it it definitely sounds like you are choosing the one that serves you the best which is ideal that was my point choose your mind choose your mindset absolutely well lane thank you very very much for being here today i wish we had more time to talk with you and share your wisdom with our audience but they always can connect with you and learn more and plug into all the great resources that you have. And then we will absolutely, we have the simple passive cash flow dot e course. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, website available in the show notes as well. So in closing, please remember success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd and build a life and business you love. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.